Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Not Your Average Joe. This week, we wrap up our seven-week teaching series with the big idea of choose to live above average by leaving something behind worth following. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 50. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. We're going to conclude our Not Your Average Joe series today, and we're going to spend our time in Genesis chapter 50. That is the last chapter of the first book of the Bible. And for the past seven weeks, we've basically been walking through chapters 37 through now chapter 50, and we've been discovering some amazing things about a guy named Joseph. And we have simply been saying, there is so much to discover and so much to learn from his life. And if we pull out these different principles and these different thoughts and use them like what Joe did, well, then we too can have an above average kind of life. So we're going to wrap all of this up with chapter 50 today. So if you have a Bible or a device, you can go ahead and get there. One of the things I absolutely love about reading the Bible is that it helps you understand that God works through people. That's just what God does. God works through people, and that's great news because we're people, right? Yeah, we are, and God works through people. God works through us. And so right away in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, we are introduced to a guy named Abraham. One day God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And you are going to have so many descendants that you will not even be able to count them. And that's the promise that God gave to Abraham. Well, we read about this in Genesis chapter 22. And I actually want to read this promise because it is just so incredible. So here's Genesis 22. We're going to get to chapter 50 in a minute. But I want to read this promise that God gave to Abraham. Here's what God says. I will certainly bless you, Abraham. I will multiply your descendants beyond numbers, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And through your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. That's also called the Abrahamic covenant. It's a covenant. It's a promise that God gave to Abraham. You're going to have a big family. Abraham, big family. And so in time... Abraham had a son, and he named that son Isaac. Isaac grew, and he matured, and he had some kids. One of those sons' name was Jacob. He's also known as Israel. Jacob wasted no time in getting after this whole big family thing, and he found himself four wives, and with those four wives, he had 12 sons. And if that's not bizarre enough... Of those four wives, he had a favorite wife, and from the favorite wife, he had a favorite son. How does that even work? Well, it doesn't because the brothers got really mad and had a lot of bitterness in their hearts toward their father because he had this favorite son, and they hated the favorite son. And so they sold him into slavery and then lied to their father about it, saying he was killed by a wild animal, and his father believed that lie for years. 
that hated son's or hated brother's name, that favorite son, his name is Joseph. And this is the guy that we have been talking about for the past seven weeks. Now, I share that family line with you. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. To let us all know that God works through people. Again, that's just what he does. And I want you to hear this, and I want this to sink into your hearts. God works through imperfect people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, these are individuals that God deeply loved. And when you begin to read through these different stories in the book of Genesis, you really discover God cared deeply for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, but they were imperfect individuals. But even in their imperfect state, God used them. So be encouraged. Be encouraged, all right? God uses people, and he uses imperfect people, which certainly includes all of us. Joseph. Let's think about him as we wrap up this series. He's not your average Joe. And here's what we've discovered so far. As we have been investigating his life, we have come up with some different statements about how he was above average and how we can live the same kind of life. So here's what we said. We started all of this by saying, choose to be above average by living with an awareness that God is active, able, and up to something significant. Let's just live with that awareness that there is an upper story of what God is doing and what God is up to that we don't always see and we don't always understand down here in the lower story, which is our story. But it's in this place that we have to remember that God is active, able, and up to something significant, and he's doing that in me. Again, we don't always see that. It doesn't always make sense to us, but we just have to believe in the upper story of what God is doing. He's active, and he's able, and he's doing significant things in and through us. And then we said, choose to live above average with your family. This might actually be one of the hardest challenges in the whole story of Job. One of the things we know about his dad, Jacob, is Jacob was a passive leader. He was a passive father, a passive parent. And because he was so passive, he didn't have the crucial conversations that he should have had with his family. And because he didn't have those crucial conversations, there were things that happened that were just toxic and awful, like one of your sons being sold into slavery, right? The crucial conversations were just missed. And so what we said is, let's have the crucial conversations in our family. As difficult as they are, as uncomfortable as they may be, let's run to the hard edges in our families and have crucial conversations. And this is how we can live above average with and in our family life. And then we said, choose to live above average while you wait for God to act. How long do we have to wait? I don't know. But while we wait, we can know that God is active, able, and up to something significant. And this helps us to ride above all of the crazy in life. So let's live above average and just wait for God to show up. How long? Not sure. But know God is up to something. 
And then we said, choose to live above average and forgive, forgive, forgive. And then when we're done with that, let's forgive some more. And what we learned from the life of Joe is that he was willing to exchange bitterness and hatred and anger so that he could live in an economy of forgiveness. And that did amazing things for his life. Last week we said choose to live above average with your work. And one of the things we discover about Joe is he was really good at his work. And he was given more and more responsibility because he just served people in an excellent way. And he made the people around him better. And he brought profit and excellence into his organizations. And so people loved Joe as a worker. And let's choose to live above average with our work. Why? Because our work matters to God. Whether we like it or not, whether we enjoy it or not, our work matters to God. And technically, we're not really working for people. We actually work for God. So those are the statements that we've walked through so far. And here's what I want to do today. I want to share one more statement, and then we're going to get into Genesis chapter 50, which really unpacks all of this for us. And then I've got some takeaways that will be very practical for us. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Choose to live above average by leaving something behind worth following. All right, so this is the legacy piece. We're going to think beyond today and our life right now, and we're going to consider how we can live above average by leaving something behind for our family and for our friends that is worth following, a legacy. It will probably not surprise you to know that Joe thought about this. And because he thought about it, he actually implemented this. And he left something great behind. He had this long view of life. And again, he did all of these other things that we talked about, but toward the end of his life, he really began to think about leaving something behind that is worth following. And we're going to figure that out today. Again, he had this long view of life. So to help us understand and get that, I've got a rope here, and this is going to picture our lives. And you'll notice that one end of the rope has a different color than the rest of the rope. And this represents now. It's what I'm thinking about now. It's what I hope for right now. It's what I want now. That's the colored part of this rope. And notice that the rope goes on and on. Now, here's what we tend to do, or at least here's what I do. I love focusing on this, what's happening right now, and my goals, and my work, and my family, and my savings. And while I think a little bit about the future, it really is more of a focus on just this, what's happening right now. The question becomes, well, what are you doing with the rest of the rope? And what kind of legacy are we going to leave for our family and for our friends? It won't be much if we just focus on this. Joe got it. And while Joe focused on the here and the now and the things that were right in front of him, again, he had this long view of life. And because of that, he was able to leave a great legacy. Students, don't just focus on the now. 
You have a lot of life in front of you. Have a long view of life. College students, several of you are back, and I hope you have a great time being home with your family. Don't just focus on now, though. Have a long view of life. And this is true for the rest of us. And again, Joe was able to think about this. He was able to implement it. And because of that, he left a great legacy for others. So much so that we're still talking about him today. Right? If he didn't have that long view of life, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. But he did. He thought more than just about right now. And he left a great legacy. So let's think about this. Joe's dad, Jacob, and the whole family, they moved to Egypt to join him. I want to just remind you that Joe was a great world leader. There was only one person that had more power and more authority than him in the known world at that time, and that was Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Joe is number two in command, and he has power and authority and wealth. I mean, he's got it all. And he's had a lot of challenges in life from being sold into slavery, from time in prison, but yet he's been an effective worker, and that has taken him all the way to basically number two in the world. Well, his brothers discover that he is there in Egypt, and they're starving because there's a world famine, and so they come to Egypt, and that's where Joe is reunited with the very brothers that sold him into slavery. He forgives them all, and then says, I'm rich. I really am. So I want the whole family to join me here in Egypt. And so the family moves from their homeland to join Egypt, uh, to join Joe where he was living in Egypt. And so the brothers all come and their wives and all of the nieces and the nephews and dad is there as well. Great family reunion, them just coming back together after years of being separated I do want to make one clarification. In Genesis chapter 35, it tells us that Joe's mom, her name was Rachel, she actually died giving birth to Benjamin. Benjamin was Joe's youngest brother. And so Joe's mom would have passed before he was ever even sold into slavery. And so when we talk about this big family reunion and everybody coming to join Joe in Egypt, his mom wouldn't have been there because she had already passed. So fast forward from Genesis 35 to Genesis chapter 50 right now, and what happens is that Jacob, Joe's dad, ages and dies. So the brothers get together, and they take their dad back to their homeland, and there they mourn for him, and there they bury him, and then they return to live in Egypt. One of the things that's really fascinating about Genesis chapter 50 is that the Egyptians themselves realized that Joe was going through a hard time. And he lost his dad. It's a devastating thing. And even though Joe and his family were not Egyptians themselves, they still had such respect for Joe and for his family that they had a time of national mourning for Joe and his dad. I think that says a lot about the kind of leader Joe was. He was more than just a figurehead. He was just more than a person who had a lot of power and authority. He was a compassionate leader. I really believe that. And now that compassion is coming back to help him. 
So what happens next gives us a great insight into Joe's heart. And really what we've been trying to do throughout this whole series is just open up the life of Joe. What did he do? What did he say? What didn't he do? How did he respond? What did he do in this kind of situation? And we've been investigating all of that and saying, let's just do the same so that we can live this above average kind of life. I love how the book of Genesis ends because it really opens up his heart and we get this great picture of what happens to him. So you follow along. I'm going to start reading with verse 14 in Genesis 50. It says, After burying Jacob, that's the dad, Joe returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joe will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they're still a little freaked out. Like, Dad, the patriarch, has been keeping this all together. But now that he is gone, Joe's going to smoke us. He's going to take us out. Verse 16. So they sent this message to Joe. They couldn't even speak to him. So they send a text. And they say, Hey, before your father died, notice they even say it's your father, even though it was their dad as well. But before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joe received the message, he broke down and he wept. It's a pretty significant statement there. It's like after all of this time, after walking through a moment of forgiveness and after bringing you here to live with me, after doing some life together, you're still thinking that I don't care about you and I haven't forgiven you? He just breaks down and he weeps. And then he goes on and he says, his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joe. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joe replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Pause. It's an amazing question. And again, with this, we get a picture of the heart of Joe, where he says, I'm not God. I can't punish you. And I think the reason Joe could say that is because at some point in this whole crazy journey, He was willing to exchange bitterness and hatred and anger for forgiveness. Here's the deal, and I want you to think about this. When we refuse to do that, when we say we can't or I won't or I shouldn't, when we refuse to exchange bitterness and anger and hatred for forgiveness, we're assuming the role of God. And nobody is good at playing God except God himself. Right? So Joe gets this, and he looks at what they're saying, and he gets below the surface, and he says, don't be afraid. I'm not God. I can't punish you. And then he says this in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. And all of the brothers 
probably started going, Joe, 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 Joe. Yeah, this is a great day for them. I mean, they're going to live. So Joseph and his brothers and their families continued to live in Egypt. Joseph lived to the age of 110. Soon I will die, Joe told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to, here's the family line, here it is again, Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, our dad. Then Joe made the sons of Israel swear on oath and he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. So Joseph died at the age of 110. The Egyptians embalmed him, and his body was placed in a coffin in Egypt. The end. Not your average Joe. What I'd like to do now is just share some takeaways with you that really help us understand and get that Joe lived for more than just this. Again, there were things that he had to do now, but he had this long view of life And because of that, he left a legacy that we are still talking about today. And how did that happen? Well, I've said this a few times throughout the series, and I want to just say it again to remind us all. Joe lived beyond just the now, and he had this long view of life because his feet were pointed in God's direction. And his inner compass was set on being obedient to God in every area and in every situation in life. And because of that, he was able to have this above average kind of life and leave a legacy behind for his family and for others to the point where we're still talking about it today. And I believe we can do the same. And so I'm going to share some simple things that Joe did that I think we can do, and it will give us a legacy so that when we pass, we'll give them something to talk about. Want me to start singing? I actually have written in my notes, don't do that because it will embarrass my family. So I'm just going to share the takeaways, all right? Here we go. You want to leave a legacy, right? We're talking about the rest of the rope right now, right? Because we're really good at this. So we're talking about the rest of the rope. And here's how we do this. Number one, grow old free of bitterness. Just do it. Grow old free of bitterness. At some point, give yourself permission to move on. Do we have opportunity to be bitter in life? You bet we do. Things have probably happened to each and every one of us that we could hang on to for a lifetime. But at some point, we got to give ourselves permission to move on and to grow old free of bitterness. Think about Joe's life. Sold into slavery by your own family? That's crazy. And then time in jail when you're waiting on God to get you out because you've done nothing to deserve being there, but it seems like you're forgotten and other people are taken out of jail that shouldn't be, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for God to act. A time to get really bitter. But Joe gave himself permission to move on, and he had this ability to grow old, free of bitterness, and it gave him a legacy. We need to be ready to do the same. Secondly, prepare to leave a legacy by being right with God and right with others. There's a lot of things that are a part of a legacy. Ultimately, I don't think 
any of those things matter at all. They really don't. If we get these two pieces right, oh, we're leaving something behind. We're thinking uh, with a long view of life, and we are giving family and friends something to pass on to their children and their grandchildren when we're right with God and when we're right with other people. So let me ask you, are you right with God? Are you? Have you had that moment where you have trusted in Jesus alone to save you? Do you recognize we have nothing good to bring to God? Nothing. And God knew that, and so out of his great love and compassion for us, he sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf. And by trusting in him alone, faith alone, we can now have a right standing with God. Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that he's done for us. Are you right with God? Maybe you've had that particular moment in your life and that transaction has happened where you've been declared right before God. Are you right with God now? Are you confessing sins? Are your feet pointed in God's direction? Is that inner compass set on just doing everything that God wants for you? Are you right with God? Are you right with people? I've got to be best friends with everybody, but are you able to look at people and know there's nothing between? See, again, I think all the stuff we talk about legacy and the things we want to give and we want to pass on, ultimately none of that matters. If we're right with God and we're right with people, we're going to pass on something that lives. Number three. Allow the negative motives of others to push you into finding God's purpose. Allow the negative motives of others to just push you into finding God's purpose. Joe was really good at this. I want to read verse 20 again from chapter 50 because here's what he says to his brothers. They're still tipped over. They still don't get it. They still don't understand that he really has forgiven them. And so Joe says, you... Brothers, and maybe he pointed at each and every one of them and said, you intended to harm me. That's really what you wanted to do. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He just knew what others intended for harm and what others intended to do to hurt me. Boy, God is working all of this out, and I'm going to rest on that side of the equation and not the anger side and not the bitterness side. I'm going to exchange that for this over here. God's working it all out. So let me ask you, do you want to leave a legacy? you want to give people something to talk about when you are long and gone? Do you want to have a long view of life? I think this is it right here. Grow old, free of bitterness. Prepare to leave a legacy by being right with God and right with people. And then allow the negative motives of others to push you into finding God's purpose. This is our chance. This is our chance to leave something behind for our family and friends that will benefit and will help them. And in the process, guess what? We live above average. Father, we're thankful for Genesis chapter 50 and what we discover here and what we read about this amazing individual that you love deeply. Joe, he's taught us so much over the past several weeks. We're grateful for his life and his example and 
his failures and successes and everything that we've been able to pull from this. God, I just pray as we conclude this series today that it would be more than just information and interesting facts about somebody who lived a long time ago. God, I pray that we would really grasp and understand that you work through people and you work through imperfect people and God, that includes all of us. So God, help us to really consider how we can live above average with our lives by doing all of these different things. But God, I pray especially today that you would help us to think about this legacy piece. God, at some point, we're going to be gone and we're going to pass. And what is it that we will leave behind for family and for friends? God, that list should include a person who is free of bitterness. God, it should include somebody who's right with you and right with other people. And what an example that is. And God, it should include looking at what others intended for harm and just allowing us and allowing that situation to push us into finding your purpose. Boy, God, bless us now as we just consider what you want to say to us. Help us to live like Joe, feet pointed in your direction, in our compass set. And God, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.